never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that was not allowed to participate in the Hunger Games because we are divergent. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey, man. <laughs> How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Nice. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, yeah, nothing uh, super crazy going on with me, luckily. So, yeah. <laughs> well, the Chicago winter has finally hit. So, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Fun uh, stuff. For, for Peter and I, we're finally dealing with uh, instead of 60 degree temperatures, we're actually getting snow, which is awesome because I want to go skiing, man. Like, <laughs> I was like, no, you know, it is cool, but it's it's like this annoying uh, amount of snow outside where it's like just not enough to like ski or go sledding but it's just enough to be like a pain in the ass <laughs> so <laughs> i know we could be in for a longer winter the way it shifted you know what i mean who knows yeah <laughs> um all right dude we have a ton of news so let's jump right oh, sweet in. let's jump right in what are we uh watching what are we reading yeah so lately at my house it's honestly been nothing but the ghostbusters which is pretty funny but uh after seeing the new movie, uh, my son is, for some reason, super obsessed with the Ghostbusters right now. So it's either Ghostbusters 1 or 2 on our TV, or um, I found out that on Crackle they have the old uh, 80s Ghostbusters cartoon sh- series, which is pretty awesome. But I've been enjoying it because, like, I love the Ghostbusters, but it's not that often that I go back to rewatch those movies. And it's been pretty fun having that on in the background so much because I've just been noticing all these little tidbits in the movie. Like, um, I think I've noticed this before, but, um, the part where the, uh, you know, Dana gets back to her apartment after grocery shopping and the eggs start cooking on her kitchen counter. If you watch that scene, the eggs change from when you go from the close up shot to the far away shot. And it's just kind of a funny thing. Like, well, you know, that's not <laughs> the continuity. The egg continue, uh, continuity is a little bit messed up right there. Um, really? You're going to debunk I, Ghostbusters because it's egg <laughs> science? <laughs> well, it's just just the, I don't know if you watch it like the far away shots, the eggs are like broken and strewn like all across the counter. Right. But then in the close up shots, like I said, I think I've noticed that one before. Um, and it doesn't, but there's and it other, doesn't match. And yeah, I know. <laughs> but there's other little things like at the very beginning of the movie and the library um, right before the librarian goes, uh, I believe, to the lower level of the library and sees the ghost when she's kind of in the main lobby area. I noticed there's a guy in the background who's dressed very 
old timey, like he's almost dressed like a Quaker or, or like he's from like the colon- colonial times or something. And I've never noticed that guy in the background before. And I don't know if it was on purpose or if I'm looking too far into it, but I'm part of me is like my, you know, fan fiction head canon is going, oh, yeah, that guy's another ghost <laughs> in the background. Um, so that's been a blast. And then just watching the 80s cartoon series is it's really fun, too, because you can tell the people who made the series were like, sweet, we're making a Ghostbusters cartoon. And as the series went on, you can tell they started to run out of ideas because the show is just each episode gets more and more ridiculous as it goes on. Like uh, one of the last episodes I watched involved Winston playing a game of baseball against a bunch of demons and it was over a wager of Peter Venkman's soul, <laughs> which is <laughs> such a ridiculous plot, but it's a pretty good episode <laughs> of the show. So I was like super amused by that. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Like I've been watching a ton of Ghostbusters and I've been watching uh, Book of Boba Fett. Uh, I finally caught up on that um, and awesome. I'm loving we'll, that we'll series. Save that. We'll save that for the back end because we can actually talk now because last time I mentioned it, um, uh, you weren't, I hadn't watched it, yeah. so it had to be kind of quiet. Um, but yeah, other than that, like I, it's kind of weird. I feel like there might've been some other stuff I watched, but I can't really remember. I'm just kind of in ghostbusters land at the moment. <laughs> so, gotcha. uh, how about you? All right. So I have, um, so first off, uh, Boba Fett for sure, but, uh, Cobra Kai season four dropped and, yeah. um, I burned all 10 episodes real fast. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> like real fast. It was like two days. And I'm like, I don't want this. To, I want this to stretch out. And I just kept going. Um, the, the new season of Cobra Kai is absolutely fantastic. Um, the streaming uh, views in a general sense for it are like through the roof. It's like 127 million views within the first three days or something like that. Um which I thought was pretty sweet. Um, so Cobra Kai is fantastic. Have you watched that show at all? I haven't watched it yet. I've heard great things. Okay. I think have it's something seen? I would like, but I just haven't, you know, you gone out of my way for it. Karate Kid. You've seen the Karate Kid movies, right? Or oh yeah. Yeah. I've, okay. I've, I've definitely seen them all. Um, I've mostly watched the first two. Um, the third one, I'm sure I've seen, but it's been a long time, so I'd probably have to revisit that. And uh, um, I think were, I remember watching the cur- the next Karate Kid quite a bit as a kid as well. But well, you really don't need to uh, catch up on. <laughs> okay. You, know, you really <laughs> don't. Need, you really don't need to rewatch the movies, and you really don't need to catch it. Rewatch three. Um, Every time they need you to remember something from one of the films, they do a flashback and show you film footage. That's pretty that's pretty cool. It's it's kind of brilliant the way they're handling the show, but it's just incredible. And it's just it's so smart and they know what they're doing. They know they basically they understand the assignment is the best way of wording. <laughs> yeah, um, it's cool that they have the same actors in it as well, because uh you don't go to a back to a uh, flashback of like Danielson and you have that weird disconnect of like, oh, this is a different actor at this part. So like that's actually a pretty cool little thing they were able to do with the series. Well, when, you see, how they, <laughs> when you see how they bring in the actors, it makes me wonder if they will bring in Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith and then maybe even Hillary Swank. Um, it, it does make me wonder if they'll do that from those other Karate Kid movies that didn't that don't connect. Um, but you know, you never know. 
Jaden so. Smith, I feel like it's likely because uh, Cobra Kai is it. I know it didn't start out as this, but it's a Netflix series technically now, right? It started out as a YouTube series, and the first two seasons ran on YouTube Red when YouTube was doing their uh, YouTube Red uh, yeah. thing. And then they canceled it, and Netflix picked it up and said, we'll take it. And yeah, I, think Netflix, I think Netflix scooped it because they were losing all the Disney content when Disney Plus was coming out. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we need content. So... Because I know I'm pretty sure Jaden Smith has actually done some stuff with Netflix. Like, I, I think he's the main creator behind the uh, Neo Yokio anime series they did. If you're familiar no. with that, I'm pretty sure that was like Jaden Smith sort of. I guess it's it's kind of like a weird meta satire, but not satire sort of anime series. So, oh, I mean, yeah. he might get involved with this new show, you know, so who knows? But, uh, yeah, keep going. <laughs> Interesting. No, that was it on Cobra Kai. Just, I really think you should watch it. Um I, I really, one, I think you should watch it, but two, I would love to hear your opinion of the season two finale. Oh, just interesting. Be, just because there's like maybe like two minutes of exposition at the opening of the episode and the entire duration of the episode is one fight <laughs> scene. Nice. Um, it's ridiculous and it's incredible and it keeps going and it keeps escalating and you're just like, man, they and like. You think to yourself, oh, cool, fight scene at the top of the show, and it never stops. <laughs> and you're like – and you eventually look at your watch, and I'm like, oh, my god, this is like 20 minutes deep. And <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and when you're like, dealing with a, a, a series about martial episode. arts, that's like the best thing ever, I think. So yeah. that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and the other thing uh, I watched um, – and, and I'm – Currently doing an old school binge watch of uh, 30 Rock just because I really like that show. And I was just looking for some binge for like, you know, background and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. uh, 30 Rock's great. I love that show. Um, it's really, really what's interesting is I remember watching it when it was on and doing a rewatch now with how everything's changed in the world. It's really interesting to see like some social commentaries that were kind of ahead of their time. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, like there are some there's some jokes that were very clearly ahead of their time. And you're just like, huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, other than that, let's talk about Boba Fett. So uh, Book of Boba Fett, two episodes are out. So if you haven't watched the two episodes while you're behind the times, uh, the way our podcast late, uh, releases, you should have had time to watch the two episodes by the time this comes out. Possibly you should have had time to watch the third episode. <laughs> the episode comes out. Um, but um those first two episodes, um, I loved them. And um, the first episode, I was just like, OK, that's where they're going with this. It's still a good episode. But the second episode, holy crap, if you are not hooked from the first one, that second one should have flipped you around big time. Um, these guys are it's Dave Filoni was when he was talking about the Mandalorian, he was talking about how. He's like, we're basically making a television show where you got to like we're, we sat down with our brothers and our cousins and stuff to play Star Wars toys. And everyone got all the cool toys, but us. But in the swap of figuring out who gets to play with what you were able to get a Boba Fett. And then <laughs> that's like the only cool guy you got. Everybody else. You didn't get your Luke. You didn't get your Vader's. You didn't get your Hans or anything. You got a Boba Fett and sand people. And <laughs> um, and those are the toys you got. Everyone else got all the cool stuff and you had to make it work. And I'm watching these episodes and I'm like, 
And it's no different than watching The Mandalorian. These guys are playing with their action figures, and it's amazing. Um, I uh, I was really, really happy to see um, – full spoilers, by the way. Um, second episode, I was really, really happy to see The Two Huts. I thought that was incredible. That, yeah, absolutely. Sequence. The Two Huts. Let's talk about the badass Wookiee that, man, do I want to <laughs> see in action. Like, I thought Chewbacca was a badass. This guy, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, bring that guy. And he was incredible. <laughs> and, like, just the imposing presence. I'm like, that guy is awesome. <laughs> I'm just hoping um, he doesn't turn into the uh, kind of how Boba Fett was in the original trilogy, where he oh, looks really badass, but he doesn't do much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there. There's a chance that happens, but if the Huts become the ultimate villain for the season, then hopefully we get to see him do something cool. Yeah. Uh, but the way they're handling it, like, I, I doubt that's the case. And then the Sand People culture, like the subculture with the Sand oh, People. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. Um, so cool. It's so cool. And that's the thing, like, we got to make, we're making these guys cool. We're making the Sand People, like, legit. We're making, you know, I don't yeah, know. Just what like, well, with, since we were talking about the Sand People, I was actually really surprised. And this is actually – I'm kind of glad you brought this up because I don't know if I would have. But, yeah, their culture is very intricate and interesting. And it's really cool how they've made – they make the viewer feel really sympathetic towards the Sand People, which I never – you know, I never expected. Because in the movies, we haven't seen much of the Sand People. And usually when we do, they're kind of a nuisance, Um you know, especially like I just think of back of like the pod racing scene when they're <laughs> out there like shooting at the pod racers and stuff. But no, this is like it's just a cool culture. And I really wasn't expecting that. Um, relating back to the creators of the show, getting to play with the action figures, but getting all the least cool ones besides Boba Fett. I don't know about that because this show has huts in it, which is freaking awesome. Like I've been saying on the show for a long time, like all I want to see in new Star Wars is I want to see a return of some huts. You know, I want to see some huts in some of these stories. And uh, it makes me think that the creators have been listening to our podcast because they finally gave us, you know, we didn't get just one hut. We got two huts. So that's <laughs> that's amazing. But then also they have uh, they have Gamorrean guards in the show, which as a kid, the Gamorrean guards was like that was one of my favorite looking characters in star Wars. Like I always loved the aliens and the monsters in star Wars. And so we're getting a lot of Gamorrean action in the show too. And I don't know, to me, it's a lot these of are, my favorite in Gamorreans, by the way, these are <laughs> malnourished Gamorreans in comparison to return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're like, yeah, there, there's some, they're Gamorreans. They've got some, uh, they've got some pudge on them, but they're, they're also, uh, I think they weight train a lot or something because they do look like they could beat you up, which is pretty great. But uh, yeah. no, I uh, to me, it's actually a lot of my favorite elements of uh, Star Wars that they're putting into this show. You know, I always loved the Jabos Palace scenes from Return of the Jedi, like all the different creatures and everything really always caught, captured my imagination when I was growing up. So I'm just thrilled with that aspect of the show. Um, I also just to mention the huts one more once more, we've only seen like one interaction so far with Boba Fett and uh, the huts, but I'm getting the sense that there's going to be a lot of cool sort of uh, power scheming in this series. And I feel like it might almost become a little bit game of Thronesy with this sort of just the, the sort of everybody that we've been introduced to and how they're all scheming for power and the dynamics of it. I feel like, 
I was expecting this show to be like a crazy bounty hunter, like Western ish, maybe like mafia ish sort of show. But I feel like we're going to get a little bit of that cool Game of Thrones esque political intrigue, which I I'm all here for. Like I am. This show feels like a slow burn to me, but it feels like it's going to pay off in really intricate and interesting ways, especially with the different characters scheming for power on Tatooine right now. So that's really awesome. Um, The one other thing I want to mention about the show is a lot of times I don't get into there's a lot of shows that do this where they'd show they show like half of the episodes will be flashbacks and then the other half will be what's going on currently. And a lot of times with shows like that, I get, I find the flashback parts to be a little bit tedious because I'll just be really interested in the story that's going on at the present. And then you're watching the show and it flashes back to these flashback scenes. And sometimes I'm a little bit like, okay, it's cool. We get to see this origin story, but I really want to know what's going on with the main plot right now. With that being said, I was a little bit worried that this, uh, this show is going to kind of, hit me in the same way. Like I thought I was going to start thinking that the flashbacks were tedious, but the thing is watching the second episode and the whole flashback storyline with, um, you know, Boba Fett working with the sand people to stop the uh, train that kept going through their territory. I just got so sucked into that storyline. And it was like going through the training montage when he was uh, teaching the Tusken Raiders, like how to use speeder bikes and stuff. And then all the way up, to their like train ambush scene. Like when that action scene started, I was just like, man, this is so good. Like I'm loving this so much. And it's kind of funny. Like I've seen a million action scenes with people fighting on top of a train, but this one still felt really fresh and really excited. So that was, that was awesome. I loved the, um, I loved the, uh, the droid that drove the train. It was very star Wars. Yes. Uh, and I uh, it's it's if you don't understand what I mean, you need to go watch Star Wars so you can kind of understand what I mean. <laughs> it's a very Star Warsy droid. It doesn't like it. It probably wouldn't work in any other world. Like that's that's a droid you'd see in Star Wars. And I yeah. loved how it like got off the train and then turned into a spider and ran away like <laughs> screw this. <laughs> um, and it felt it felt a little bit rickety. It, fe- it, it fit really well within the Star Wars sort of lived in universe where everything doesn't feel super sleek and stuff. It felt like this rickety old uh, train engineer droid. That's also just really good at its job, but it was, yeah, that was a really fun droid. That's a good thing. Yeah, to point it's, out. Uh, they're just, they're doing the show so right. They're doing it so smart and they got the right people behind it, which is, I just, it just makes me really excited for upcoming star Wars shows. Um, this segue is kind of into news a little bit, which is awesome. Um, so let's talk about a couple things from the episode first. Um, I've seen some articles about how the uh, twins connect to Jabba. Um, oh, they, OK. Interesting. So, Which is interesting because when I see articles like this online, I think to myself, did you not watch the episode or did you not pay attention <laughs> to the episode? Uh, the twins connect to Jabba. They directly say they're cousins in the episode. It's then, in yeah, di- that sounds really familiar. It's in dialogue. And I'm like, why are you? putting an article out about how they connect when, you know, whatever. But what I wanted to point out about this was um, you watch the beginning, you watch episode one, two, whatever, you know, Jabba's out there. You jump to the Clone Wars and you actually get to see the Hut clan um, and like the five members of the Hut clan or the reigning, the ranking members of the Hut clan or whatever in terms of their crime syndicate. Um, yeah. 
And then you see the death of Zero, eventually we get to the death of Jabba and Return of the Jedi, and then now these twins seem to be the reigning huts in terms of the in-charge, too. Um, but they mention the cousins, so, like, I don't see there's any mystery there. Pay attention. Uh, the, yeah. other thing I wanted to, the other thing I wanted to bring out uh, up about uh, the episode is in the flashback, um, when Boba Fett went to get the speeder, was it... Um, yeah, when he went to get the speeder uh, and stole it from those Weequay uh, guys at the bar. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple at the bar talking, and the camera seemed to linger on them a little bit more than normal. And did you have any sense that you should know who those are, those people are? Um, a li- I, I did get that sense, but um, I'm not necessarily sure who they are. So, okay. yeah, enlighten me. <laughs> well, so this is something that I wondered. And the girl, when I saw her, I thought to myself, the, the girl looked really familiar now it is not it is not the original actor they clearly recast but they did a darn good job recasting um if you go back to the original star wars 1977 film there were some deleted scenes about luke oh man getting actually getting to go to um the tashi station and meet with his friends cammy fixer and there was a couple other ones and that's when biggs would actually like say goodbye to luke because he's telling him about joining the rebellion and all that stuff yeah those scenes got cut. Now, those scenes exist in the Star Wars radio drama. And if you bought <laughs> and if you bought the original, the very first Blu-ray release of the films, if you bought the collector's yeah. edition version of the original Blu-ray release, you got the bonus scene. You actually got those bonus scenes as a, D, as a Blu-ray extra. So you could watch the original scene at the Tashi station. The girl and the guy in that bar is Cammy and Fixer. That's awesome. That's such right. a deep cut, but that's really cool. Deep cut. And I was like, I know I know this girl from somewhere. And then I went and did some reading and I was like, oh, my God, that was Cammy. And I literally thought it. But I was like, I couldn't put my name, put a na- name on it. And there's a chance that because um, I don't watch with the subtitles. But I wonder if the names popped up, because apparently if you watch with subtitles on, a lot of the names of the planets or the starships actually appear in the subtitles. So on uh, so I actually pretty much always have subtitles on my TV, and that just comes from having a toddler in the house who's going to yell out with random outbursts. <laughs> you might not be able to hear the show you're watching. Sure. Um, and in on The Mandalorian, they do have that where every time they go to a different planet it actually shows up in the subtitles and stuff so far with boba fett however um it really hasn't given a lot of extra information like that like you haven't gotten a lot of the different sort of uh, alien species names or anything like that like there hasn't been a lot of extra information in the subtitles for this series unfortunately so Uh yeah nothing like that came up in that scene all right. Well, those are uh, original characters from the 1977 film. I just thought it was amazing that they are still alive doing their thing. And just it was an awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, because this segues us into news, um, apparently Amelia Clark is going to be back as Kira for a Disney Plus series. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> played Kira in the solo film. Very little is known about this. I was reading through the article and it was really like whoever put this got the exclusive leak on this doesn't know much. Um I don't know if the series is going to be called Kira or mm-hmm. it's going to be called something else. If you think about the fact that we're dealing, we went from the Mandalorian to Boba Fett and we're dealing with the underworld. One of the biggest pieces of the underworld that exists is the Crimson Dawn, which, you know, is uh, from Solo. It dealt with Darth Maul. Kira was the leading 
uh, figurehead of Crimson Dawn by the end of the solo film. So it sounds like Amelia Clark's going to be coming back to reprise her role as Kira to do a, a show based on the Crimson Dawn, from what I can tell. Uh, from what I was reading, um, it, she's the only actor that's listed from Solo that looks like she's returning. So that's, that's cool, though. I feel a little bit like we're really due to see Amelia Clark in a role that's just really awesome. Like it's yeah. been it's been a bit since Game of Thrones. She's done a couple other movies and stuff, but I haven't seen her in like that really badass role. We can really glom onto uh, for a little bit. So this is really exciting news, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I agree. So and you know what? I would be OK with her just reprising her role as Kira and being, you know, next season of Boba Fett or next season of Mandalorian. Like she's still alive, like she made it. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'd be OK. I'd be OK with uh, an underworld show or like maybe she pops into, you know, Andor because he's uh, like he, that shows about the rebellion with the spy ring that took place, trying to gather information for the, you know, uh to take down the empire, you know, she could be an information broker. You know, I just, it, that's a really good call. There's, to good be honest. Place for, there's good places for her to fit. She doesn't have to fit in her show. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't need a whole mm-hmm. show. All right. We're going to jump around a little bit. We talked about the movie. Don't look up last week. Uh, we both seem to love it. We both talked about the social commentary and all that stuff. Um, don't look up. Um, uh, end of the uh, Anna McKay's End of the World uh, allegory has reportedly achieved the biggest week of views on Netflix history with over 152 million hours streamed from the week of December 27th to January 2nd, which is amazing. Um, I bring that up because there's a lot of people that have been talking about it online. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, everyone knows him. The uh, he's he's a very well-known scientist and loves astrophysics and like that's what he oh, does. Yeah. Yeah, the the guy from Batman v Superman, the yeah. ultimate edition. <laughs> yeah. um, he um, he very specifically uh, said that he finally got a chance to watch the movie, and he said that with his knowledge of social media, pop culture, and the way that the world works, that the film is actually a documentary. Um, and <laughs> doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> that, that made me laugh, but I'm like, yep, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, everyone should watch that movie. Um, Absolutely. It's it is. It is awesome that it set that record for Netflix, though. Just saying really quick, because like I was I was saying last week, like the movie casts um, the, the movie really calls out every side of the political spectrum, you know, as far as their shortcomings. And it do, it's really smart that it does it in a way where it's like you could get offended by it, but it really calls everybody out. And uh, it's kind of cool that it's become something that so many people can watch and relate to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've got a couple quick hits. Um, Morbius is delayed until April 1st. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> so Morbius is being delayed because of COVID reasons. I get that. I don't blame them for doing that. It kind of sucks because I was really getting excited and wanting to see Morbius. However, they moved it to April 1st. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not 100 percent sure I can believe it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll be seeing Morbius in April, I assume, at this point. Um, all right. A uh, couple things here. Um, X-Men producer trusts Kevin Feige to make the right decision for the X-Men and the MCU. I thought this quote was cool. In an interview with IGN, longtime producer, X-Men producer Simon Kingbird says he trusts Kevin Feige to make the right decision on bringing the X-Men 
old or new to the MCU, noting Kevin Feige knows what he's doing with the MCU. I would argue he's the greatest producer in history of cinema. Um, wow. I read the I read the full interview. I'm almost, you know, whether I, you know, whether I like DC over Marvel, whatever the case may be, what Kevin Feige has achieved with the Marvel Universe is astounding. No one in history has ever attempted to pull something like that off. And at the rate they're going, by the time we get to like, I think it's like 2027, there should be 50 Marvel films. Like, that's incredible. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, like in all seriousness, Kevin Feige very well may be the greatest producer in all of film history. Um, yeah. Um, that being said, Marvel movies accounted for 30 percent of the domestic box office for the entirety of 2021. That doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, that is crazy. Well, well, right. But for all those people out there, the um, those filmmakers who are non um, non comic book movies, they don't like the superhero movies and they, you know, they're always like, we don't need these. It's just popcorn nonsense. They're, they're not even that good. Um, your audience, I think, is telling you otherwise. And your box office dollars are speaking for themselves, if you know what I mean. You know, like so. Yeah, absolutely. I th I think there's um there's always room for a ton of different kinds of movies, but when it look when you look at like the movies that people go to see the most, a lot of times they're more of the action spectacle sort of movies. So, I don't know. I don't I don't see much of a difference between the Marvel movies and maybe old like monster movies of the past or like the kung fu uh, craze in the 70s and stuff like that there's always like a big action movie sort of trends that go through hollywood so i don't know i yeah. I, I totally agree <laughs> <laughs> right all right um <clears throat> one more piece of marble and this is a copyright thing i found this interesting okay so lego has ruined uh dr strange already um lego is <laughs> Lego is notorious for, for spoiling, spoiling stuff. for spoiling stuff because they release a Lego set that has a character in it. And you're like, clearly he's in the movie or <laughs> or clearly that's a scene from the new movie. And the toys will be out long, like so far in advance. So mm -hmm. there is a Lego set out there um, with Dr. Strange, Wanda, whatever. Uh, for the new Dr. Strange movie where they're battling in the Lego set, they're battering, battling. Shumagorath. Well, that was in the trailer, though, too. It was. So we okay. know about that. Here's the interesting part about it. Um, Shumagorath has a, has a copyright under it. So when the comic books were written and they named it Shumagorath, um, there wasn't an issue based on the times that the comic was written. But because of copyright law, they can't call the creature Shumagorath. It has now been changed to uh, Gargantos. OK, weird. So according to the Lego, um, according to the Lego set, it's called like Battle of the Battle with Gargantos is the name of the Lego set. And you're just like, well, shoot, it's going to be hard to talk because if they call him Gargantos in the movie, all comic readers are going to be like, well, that's Shumagorath. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be like one of those nerd shouts for a while. Um, and Shumagorath was in uh, Marvel versus Capcom 2, which kind of makes him to an extent. He's a uh, he's more of a household name than some of the other really obscure Marvel. Like, I feel like Shumagorath, because he was in Marvel versus Capcom 2, is a little bit more of a household name than like Fing, Fing Fang Foom, for example, or something like that. And yeah, I yeah, just yeah. feel like I don't know. It's. I feel like it 
kind of just sucks that they had to change the name is really what it is. It's unfortunate because you could have that Marvel versus Capcom uh, recognition built into your movie that you might miss out on a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I hear you. Well, I wanted to bring this up because, one, it's going to be a different name. And two, I thought it was interesting because I didn't realize Shumagorath has copyright. Where yeah. it's copyrighted? Shumagorath is a part of the Conan universe. Oh, OK. Um, which I didn't, which I was not aware of. I just knew it from Marvel Comics. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it totally makes sense that that would be a monster that Conan would battle at some point. But no, I I was unfamiliar with that tidbit as well. Yeah. All right, we're gonna jump over to DC here in a minute, but um, Beavis and Butthead revival movie coming to Paramount Plus. <laughs> um, awesome. Do, I do know there's a Beavis and Butthead television show coming back. I don't know yeah. if Beavis and Butthead real time today or it's just them coming back. The movie itself is going to be a revival, and this is Beavis and Butthead all grown up. <laughs> so it is real time Beavis and Butthead as if they were today. Um, <laughs> I like the idea of them all grown up, and it makes you wonder, like, are they like – are they in a workaholic sort of situation where they just live together, you know, or do they have their own families and stuff? And then I also am really curious, are they still wearing the same clothes? Like, do they still have the Metallica and ACDC shirt on or, you know, what they, they what might music be, are they listening to? What are they wearing nowadays? You know, right. There might be there is um, some concept uh, sketch art of what they look like for oh, the cool. upcoming movie. If you Google around and look at them and uh, Beavis, they basically look older. Uh, Beavis has, I'm sorry, Butthead has, no, Beavis has glasses on. Um, Butthead has clearly got the, uh, the beer gut and he's, uh, you know, <laughs> he's definitely put on some weight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. You might want to oh, put yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know those guys. <laughs> yeah, I know those guys, but they're clearly uh, they're clearly older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I just thought that was interesting that we're getting a Beavis and Butthead revival film. Okay, yeah, let's talk about funny. Let's talk some DC real quick. Okay, so first off, Ben Affleck is out. Yes, uh, I heard. About Affleck this. says that his um, he is done with the Batman film. Um, the, he confirms that the flash will be his last appearance as Batman stating that his experience on the flash, um, um, that, um, his experience with Batman versus Superman, justice league and so on has basically, uh, come to an end and he is done. Um, he said specifically, um, my favorite scenes in terms of Batman and the interpretation of Batman that I have done were in the flash movie. Um, he then added it was a really nice finish on his experience with the Batman character. Um, I'm, I'm really glad he said that. I'm really it makes me look forward more to his appearance in the film. It saddens me because I do think in a comic book movie world, Ben Affleck was the most comic book accurate Batman we have ever gotten. And it's yeah. me that I'm never going to get to see the Ben Affleck solo Batman movie that I was hoping we'd get. Um, but I'm glad we got it. And um, it's going to make me appreciate those movies, I think, a little bit more. But any thoughts yeah. on this? Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to know what to say besides what you said. But I just kind of just actually uh, absolutely agree. Like, it's really unfortunately <laughs> or it's really unfortunate that we didn't get to see the solo ban, uh, Ben Affleck Batman film. And uh, it's just I'm really sad to see him go. Like, I'm excited for the new Batman movie and uh, new stuff that they, they do. Um with the character in the future, but no, it's just really sad to see him go. Cause I know 
Drew, you and I were both like huge fans of uh, Ben Affleck's version of this character. Right. Well, I just I really I really appreciated what he did and what he his under it's it's kind of like here's the thing. You had an actor who was a fan prior to taking the role. He was an actor who understood the source material because he was a fan and tried to be comic accurate and brought it to the role. Yeah, definitely. I know that when, you know, Marvel's like, hey, we got this actor. Here's all the comics we need you to read. How many times do you hear actors get in front of that mic for an interview? And they're like, well, I wasn't a fan until I got the role and had to read all the comics. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? And here's a guy and here's a guy who is a pre-existing fan. And he's like, if we're doing this, we're doing it right. Here's, you know. <laughs> and yeah, and it's because of that fact that I really wanted to see what was he going to do with the character moving forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah agreed. Um, well, let's talk about another Batman because we got another one over here in uh, the Flash movie. and That's Michael Keaton. Um, because of the Flash movie and like his role in it and all that stuff. And apparently he's going to be the Batman going forward, which is awesome. It's all the Michael Keaton stuff is making me want to rewatch Batman and Batman Returns, which I just haven't had a chance to do yet. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But he said they asked him about why he didn't do Batman forever, because there was a so there is there was a third Batman movie that was supposed to happen. So the Michael Keaton was supposed to do three films. Um, and they ended up changing directors from Tim Burton to Joel Schumacher. The third Tim Burton film was going to deal with Harvey Two-Face because they introduced Harvey Dent and the in Batman. And then he was supposed to yeah. be the villain for um, the third Michael Keaton Batman film. And they changed it because they said it was too dark and wanted to go another direction. Um, yeah, absolutely. DC Comics is rele- has released Batman 89. Uh, which is a comic series based on what was supposed to be that third film. And apparently it's supposed to be ongoing. I haven't read it yet. I'm very eager to read it, but um, uh, I just thought it was cool that they did that. Anyway, Michael Keaton was asked why he left the project. And Michael Keaton says, I remember one of the things that I walked away going, oh boy, I can't do this. Joel Schumacher asked me, I don't understand why everything has to be so dark and everything's so sad. And when... (laughs) (laughs) And I said, wait a minute. Do you even know how this guy got to be Batman? Have you ever read? I mean, it's pretty simple. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. (laughs) And uh, I think we all know where the Joel Schumacher movies ended up. But um, (laughs) it reminded me it reminds me of the sentiment that I've heard from certain uh, actors in the Justice League film when uh, that movie was taken over by Joss Whedon um, after they'd been working with Zack Snyder. Like it has that sort of like this new guy doesn't get it at all. Like, why are we even (laughs) doing this sort of thing? And that's just really funny. Yeah, I know. All right. Last news story. And then we can talk about the list. Uh, Game of Thrones creator George Martin says he's seen House of the Dragon pilot and he loved it. Nice. Um, uh, (laughs) Well, instead of watching that pilot, he should have been finishing his book series. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Um, uh, I'm just trying to be the one of the angry fans that I hear all the time whenever I bring up Game of Thrones. But keep going. Sorry about that. Look, dude, I'm one of them. Get me wins a winter. Seriously. Um, Okay. Um, George Martin says, I have got to confess. I was uh, I I got um, I was shoved to read that the most anticipated new. Oh, yeah. The most anticipated new show, by the way, the most anticipated show on several lists 
that are on the internet right now, whether it's IGN, Screen Rant, yeah, absolutely, IMD, like all these places, like the most anticipated TV shows on several lists for everybody is House of the Dragon. And he was uh, kind of baffled to read that the most anticipated show was House of the Dragon. Um, that's a hell of a list to be on the top of with Amazon's new token series, Neil Gaiman, Sandman, Marvel shows, Star Wars shows. Uh, George, <laughs> yeah. Martin, George Martin continued saying, I'm anticipating House of the Dragon pretty eagerly myself for what it's for what it's worth. OK, I'm nice. hardly I'm hardly objective. And I know and I know a lot of of what you will be seeing. Um, I wrote the book. <laughs> also, um, uh, mum's the word. Don't tell anyone. I've seen a rough cut of the pilot and loved it. And then he had and then he had this to say, um, it's dark, it's powerful, it's visceral, just the way I like my epic fantasy. I think the Targaryens are in very good hands. Anticipate a way. I do not think you will be disappointed. Um, I loved that quote because you have a creator that is involved on a minimal scale. And he got to see the pilot and was like, holy crap, this is amazing. You know what I yeah. mean? This is what I wanted. And that makes me excited. Absolutely. And I think um, after the divisiveness of the Game of Thrones finale, I think we're due for just another really good Game of Thrones series that we all can come together and enjoy, you know, as a populace again. So this is really exciting. I think this is just signs are pointing in the direction that the show is going to be great. So I'm excited as well. Yeah. So I'm. Um, I'm really looking forward to House of the Dragon and I literally am like, when's that going to hit, you know? Yeah. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, dude, that's, that's the end of the news, man. Do you want to run the list? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. All right, uh, Ryan, it is list time. So you know what that means. Can you do me a favor and roll the thing? For the top five. All right. Um, yeah, uh, it's list time. Peter, this was uh, your list. So uh, why don't you explain what it is so I can uh, so we can try and make sense of it to the kids out there, <laughs> the listeners. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, this was a list I actually came up with um, over like uh, Christmas. Actually, it might have been it might have been on Christmas Day. And it was one of those things where. Uh, my son got a couple action figures for Christmas and I just was thinking like, it'd be cool to do a toy list. We haven't done that in a while. And I kind of thought it'd be fun to tackle a concept that I think is a really cool idea for a list, which is discussing the franchises, you know, the movie series, TV series, et cetera, that we've gotten into because of the toys. Because I know when I was younger, there was several uh, just cartoons and movies and stuff that I got into just because I thought the action figures were cool or, uh, you know, it, we can extend this to uh, other areas besides just toys. You know, it's just kind of merchandise in general, like has a franchise's merchandise ever drawn you to it? And I think it's just a fun topic. And uh, Drew, I don't know what your thoughts on this list was. <laughs> so overall. this is this is an interesting one. It's weird that you word this like this now, because oh. <laughs> I was doing <laughs> Dude, I did so much research to find out what TV, sh what toys came before the TV shows that they're represented, oh. all that stuff. And <laughs> OK, no, that's I didn't mean like it had to be the toy came first. Well, I, I just, thought so. Yeah. So <laughs> no, no, because some of mine, definitely the toy. 
A lot of mine, the toys did come first, but not all of them. So sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's totally fine because I went through and I did tons of research in terms of like this stuff. Oh, uh, my one bad. Of them, I have one of them where the toy drew me drew me to the show that already existed. But this was literally like toys that like I, you get into and then you find out there's a show coming and, you know, that kind of thing. And that's kind of how I was taking it. <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> well, now I feel bad. I didn't mean it to be like that impossible of a task I was giving you. No, it's, you it's know, okay. I just, it's okay yeah. because next week's list is going to be an impossible task. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, no, it's totally fine. Um, it's just I will have a specific list that I was following a specific way because I interpreted it one way and you're going to be doing it in the same way. So we could actually end up going through these fairly quickly and we could end up matching a ton. So nice. Who knows? All right. So I have two honorable mentions. You? Yes, I have two honorable mentions as well. Okay. Um. So my first honorable mention is Thundercats. Um, oh, sweet. Um, this um, I was a I, I really enjoyed Thundercats as a kid um, in terms of like other stuff of that ilk, because there were a lot of. You know, like He-Man was my first foray into something like that, but from He-Man to Thundercats to like there was a bunch of shows in that realm, if you will, in terms of like the cartoon fantasy stuff like that. Um and Thundercats, I was a big fan of. But what I found interesting about this is that because of the way I interpreted the list, the reason this makes an honorable mention as opposed to an actual pick is because Thundercats was the toys came out a year before the show, but only because there were production delays with the show. Um, so in terms of the rules of the list, I made this honorable <laughs> mention because I thought we were going for a specific thing. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. <laughs> no, that's cool. Thundercats so like, is well, awesome. Well, Thundercats kind of counts because of the history of the show. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, you saying this though, with the rules, most of my list really does fit the same template, except for one is like, it really doesn't at all. But okay. um, no, that's really funny. But I do think Thundercats is awesome. Um, I always liked the toys more than the show just because I think the show is a little bit before my time where I didn't get to watch it too okay. much when I was younger. But, uh, you know, uh, you and Scott had some of the toys, which were really awesome. And uh, I, I got into the like, I think it was 2012, they rebooted Thundercats and it was actually really well done. And I watched that show for a bit and stuff like that. So um, I could move into my first honorable mention, which is a kind of obscure one. But I went with uh, this old cartoon series called King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. And uh, this one's an honorable mention because I never really got into the show, but <laughs> but I got one of the actors action figures and it was like a gift and uh, I actually looked it up while we were recording because I forgot to look up this guy's name but the action figure I had was Warlord Viper who is one of the main villains of the series but the series is essentially a Saturday morning cartoon version of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table um, except everything is you know it's a 90s uh, Saturday morning cartoon what so what's the show called? King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. Oh, and uh, this is wait, this is the one where it's the football team that got sent back in time. And each one of them was the each one of them yes. became a member of the King Arthur show. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's what I was going to talk about that, too, because while putting my list together, I actually went back and watched 
an episode or two of the show on YouTube. And uh, the show does have a really that really funny trope where Merlin brings a football team from the future back in time to be the Knights of the Round Table and to fight against the evildoers of the realm and stuff. But I love this idea like, you know, you could have selected some like Navy SEALs or Marines. (laughs) Or like even professional athletes, but no, you selected a high school football team <laughs> to right. back in time, you know? Um, you know, so I, always I thought, remember really, really enjoying the show. Absolutely. Like, like a ton. I thought that show was awesome. Yeah. And it, it's a show where it had those crazy Saturday morning cartoon, like character designs. So all the characters are really cool. Like, the action figure I had is like this evil warlord guy, but he's got this cool uh, helmet that flips back and forth over his face. And it looks like a snake helmet, hence the name Viper, you know, that being his name. But it was just it had some cool toys. And I've seen a couple episodes of the show. I never got super into it, which is why it's an honorable mention. But uh, no, this was just a really fun one that I thought I'd uh, bring up. So, yeah. Um. The uh, all right. So the next one I have is this makes an honorable mention for two reasons. One, um, I didn't know it was a thing. I just knew it as a show. So it's kind of in it's kind of in reverse, but it's definitely one where the toy slash game stuff existed before the show. Um, And that's Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, awesome. Uh, I like I grew up with there's an old television series called Dungeons and Dragons. Um that um going back and like i went back and i watched an episode or two of it um first off it's still great it's like the old school 80s animation but they were really really smart in the sense that if you know like as a kid i just enjoyed the show i thought it was awesome but i didn't know it was a game i didn't know what dragons was aside from this cartoon that i watched Knowing what I know about the game now and how it functions, they were really smart writing that show in the realm of understanding there's a meta um, storytelling to it where the characters are the kids playing the game. And if you pay attention to dialogue, it's very clear that that's what they were shooting for. It was cool. Um, I was kind of blown away by that. I was like, wow, you guys were a lot smarter with this than um, most shows were at that time in terms of being meta, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't know anything about it other than that being a show. So this is kind of one in reverse where the yeah. show drew me to the toys slash game because I had no clue. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So um, this this is a show that I've never watched, um, but I've heard it's actually really awesome. And uh, because I like like retro cartoons and stuff, I really want to go back and actually revisit this. But um, I really no, definitely a really cool pick. The main character, I don't remember if he was supposed to be a fighter or a ranger. I just remember he had a really sick bow. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it, the bow was cool because it was like an energy bow. Like he didn't have oh, nice. arrows because it shot like laser bolts out of it and stuff. I really <laughs> I just thought I always thought That's that was pretty sweet. Um, and I, just, I have a feeling it was an animation thing like, well, we don't want to keep drawing arrows coming out of his quiver. We can just, you know, do this and save some money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so. Awesome. Um, So, yeah, man, what's your second honorable mention? So my second honorable mention is uh, actually pretty similar to what I said about the Thundercats, because I went with Transformers. And uh, this is another one where the show like I've I had seen the show when I was a kid on TV, but it it was another thing where it's a little bit before my time. Um, 
you know, during Transformers heyday, I think I was just watching like I was a little bit too young to watch the show a lot. But it's one of those uh, franchises that I, I always thought was really cool. And it's because uh, because of my older brothers and because of friends, older brothers and stuff. Every time I was playing at somebody's house, there was always a lot of Transformers toys and they're all like really intricate and really cool and really fun to play with. And this is one that I've, I've just always appreciated the toys a lot, but I never got super into the original series because, um, just because it was a little bit before my time. But then, you know, as the, Years went on. Um, I did get into like Beast Wars and Beast Machines when that was on Fox Kids and uh, the movies, of course. And, uh, you know, here and there I'll watch a, a newer Transformers series or read a comic or something like that. So it's 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 a series I've always liked, but I never got super, super into. But the toys are really amazing. So that's kind of why it's an honorable mention. Right. I got you. Well, um, Transformers, you're right. It was everywhere um mm-hmm. and uh and uh you couldn't go over to someone's house without toys being everywhere it was like people wanted them for birthdays for christmas like it, it was it kind of took over the toy market if you will um and uh this the reason i kind of add on this is transformers is actually my first actual pick so in a really weird oh, way sick. You know, <laughs> um, that's awesome we kind of matched in a way. Um, I had a good handful of um, toys. I had the original Optimus Prime with the trailer. Um, I had I had some in terms of some decent ones back in the day. And uh, I really got into Transformers for a while. So much show that I was like, well, the movie's coming out. I have to see the movie. I mean, we were all going to see the yeah. movie anyway, but it was like there was that nostalgic purpose. And when you hear the voice of Optimus Prime, you're just like, dude, that's the voice from the show. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, like they were they were smart enough to get those actors back for the movies and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I totally hear you. I don't have much to say on Transformers, but um, I know that the toys now are I feel like they're too intricate. <laughs> to really even play with anymore where when they were making those original toys, they knew what they were doing. So, well, even back in the day I got, you know, I'd be playing at some friend's house and they'd have a transformer and half the time I couldn't quite figure out how to, you know, actually make it transform. But, uh, so it would just be like stuck in robot form the whole time, but that would also be okay with me, you know, because the toys were always badass and always really fun to play with. So, Um, well, since that's my first actual pick technically in a weird way, what's yours? Yeah. So, uh, the first one I went with is a, uh, a, a franchise, uh, recently we've actually, uh, talked about a decent amount because I went with uh, Mighty Max. Um, and this uh, is yeah. a essentially like the easiest way to describe it as Mighty Max is Polly Pocket for boys. You know, it's a really tiny little play set that you have with different characters and stuff, but it fits in the palm of your hand and it opens up and it's kind of like just a cool plastic diorama you get to play with you know you buy it for the same price as an action figure but you open it up and you have the main character mighty max and you'll have you know two or three villains in some cases and like a really cool like you know mad scientist lair or egyptian pyramid or you know some crazy sort of little place that you get to play you got 
you got, I remember when we were kids, you got real into the Mighty Mac stuff. <laughs> yeah. You had a lot of it, actually. Yeah, I had a lot of them, and I actually still have uh, most of my Mighty Max sets somewhere. I got to dig those out at some point. But I always thought they were really cool. They are really fun. They have a really cool sort of, you know, pretty ghastly and horrific aesthetic while still being like a kid's Saturday morning cartoon sort of uh, franchise, you know. And yeah. uh, this is one that, I'm pretty sure the toys came before the show, but I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure about that. But I feel like it makes sense. Like, I feel like somebody came up with this really cool toy concept and they're like, OK, we're going to make a cartoon based on this. And that's kind of how I got into this as well. Like I got a couple of the toys and I don't know if it was a birthday present or I just, you know, asked my parents to buy me one. But and I thought it was awesome. But then later on, I realized it was a show. And uh, then I got into the cartoon and stuff like that. But uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I've talked about this show a lot recently, so I don't have to go on too much. But yeah, Mighty Max. <laughs> Mighty Max. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. OK, well, I do. I don't remember the show that well. Um, I remember you having a ton of the toys. I know I have one of the toys. Um, I have. One oh, yeah. Of, and I have one of the smaller sets. Um. I know it was like a evil scientist library, uh, not library, uh, uh, laboratory workshop kind of a thing. I was like a yeah. skull that opened up. Um, I still have it intact with all the pieces and everything. Nice. Um, um, I, I know where it is. It's not an easily accessible thing, but uh, <laughs> I, do know I, have it. Yeah. I, I do know I still have it. I have all the parts and everything because um, that I those I always thought were cool. I just didn't have the volume that you did. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes sense that you were, you know, a little older than me, so you might not have gotten as into the show when it was on and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, OK, so um, I'm going to go next. Um, my next one is uh, G.I. Joe. Oh, nice. I this is one that I definitely knew the toys first before I got into the show. But um, the show really informed me what toys I needed. <laughs> Um, yeah, I have a massive G.I. Joe collection, but it was kind of like, dude, I need the jet and I need the boat. And that guy's cool. <laughs> and, and you know what I mean? Like um, and any most kids out there that are that are my age, just about everybody had G.I. Joe. That was like, the yeah, people guy toy. It's kind of like girls had Barbie guys had G.I. Joe. Um, G.I. Joe used to be the same size as Barbie. And mm -hmm. I think because of the popularity of the Star Wars action figures, G.I. Joe became the three and three quarter inch figures. And it went from there. Um, mm -hmm. I, I really do think I don't know. Are G.I. Joe is even around anymore in terms of like they don't have any new figures or anything like that. Right. I was I actually going to say, I don't know about G.I. Joe proper, but the last time I was at the dollar store, they did still have the sort of <laughs> three and three quarter inch G.I. Joe knockoff like army sure. guys and stuff like that, which is kind of cool. And it says a lot to the legacy of G.I. Joe that there's still generic G.I. Joe action figures out there being sold. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well. The reason I say that is because I really think that in terms of a toy world and kids cartoons, they could probably they could probably easily go with a new revival of G.I. Joe. I think that would work really, really well, actually, right now. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I could definitely yeah. see that happening, you know. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, what's your uh, next pick, man? Yeah. So my next pick is a really weird one. Uh, Drew, I don't know if you remember this at all, but <laughs> my next pick is. 
Biker Mice from Mars. I do and, remember uh, this. <laughs> this is a series that I feel like what happened was in the late 80s, early 90s, like Ninja Turtles was just a massive force. Like everybody knew and loved Ninja Turtles so much for the toys and the cartoons and stuff. And there's a lot of almost like knockoff anthropomorphic action series for little boys out there. Like there sure. was Street Sharks was one. There was like yeah. the... Uh, I can't, I can't called the, multiple times when I was doing my research for this. <laughs> um, nice. There was uh, the Cowboys of Moo Mesa was another one. Um, but, yeah, there was another one called Biker Mice from Mars. And uh, it was these giant anthropomorphic mice dudes who came from Mars, apparently, and they rode motorcycles and they fought crime. <laughs> and uh, it's such a goofy, like. It's a weird, goofy amalgamation of things, which is kind of what the Ninja Turtles is anyways. But I don't know what it was when I was in like first or second grade and this series came out. It was just really, really cool for a short period of time. And I had to get a couple of the action figures and I had to watch the show. And uh, looking back on it, it's just a it is. It's just a weird amalgamation of a bunch of different ideas. But for whatever reason, me and like every other kid in my grade loved this <laughs> came out. And I don't know what else to say about it, but this is just one of the most obscure ones. But and it's one of the series that I don't even know that I think that fondly of nowadays. But at the time, this was just awesome. <laughs> I don't know if I have much else to say about it. Than yeah. That, and I don't, this yeah. is, this is one that's a little after my time, if you will. Absolutely. I know, you know, growing up, I knew you were into it and stuff and I know there was some toys in the house, but it's not one where I like got it to the way you did. And I kind of looked at him not as a knockoff Ninja Turtles, but more of a, when you're playing with your toys, these are great characters to work with the Ninja Turtle, <laughs> you know? Like, oh yeah. That's a good call. Yeah. Or not necessarily work with. It's just like, dude, it's another character you can use as a villain or a, uh, a team up or, <laughs> You know, something like that. It just fit really well in that world. And I think Ninja Turtles paved the way to do that. And when you think about Andy's toy box and toy story and, you know, it just makes sense. You know, like that's how that would just play out. You will. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point, actually. All right. So my next one is an obscure pick. Um, it is Dino Riders. Um, OK, nice. If, if you don't remember Dino Riders, Dino Riders were cool, dude. Um, it was basically a I this was a spinoff of something, too. Um, and I forgot. And this is something I probably should have looked up before with the show because it was a spinoff. It, it came out of something else. And that's where Dino Riders existed. It was basically these uh, a spaceship that crash landed on a planet that was still in the prehistoric era. And there's dinosaurs everywhere. <laughs> and it was like two warring factions. And they um, basically captured the dinosaurs and built Rode them, on them <laughs> and loaded them up with weapons yeah. and tanks. And like the Triceratops is essentially a tank and someone would ride them. And, you know, the pterodactyls will have like missiles and stuff mounted on their wings. <laughs> and like, it was just essentially like warfare with dinosaurs. Um, I always liked the Velociraptor characters. Um, I really like, uh, the, it was like the bad guys got all the carnivores. The good guys got all the, um, you know, course, yeah. wars, and it was just it was it was designed that way. But it was it was a really I had a lot of fun with it. I really enjoyed that. I actually still have um, I have one of my Dino Riders intact and another one that I had is kind of missing some parts, but I still have them, which I think is kind of cool. So. Yeah, that's yeah. um, 
yeah, it's it's hard to add too much because I this is a series I was always aware of because I knew like you were into it, Drew. But this yeah. is definitely before my time. I've never seen an episode of this. I only know the toys from the toys that you and Scott had when I was a kid. Um, yeah. But I always thought it looked cool. And uh, you describing the series, it just to me, it just harkens back to an older time where animated series were just so random and just like ridiculous, but just awesome at the same time. And I really do miss some of the sort animated of 80s and, and 90s animated. animated and ridiculous. A football team is brought back from time to be King Arthur and the Knights. <laughs> <of> the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But then you watch it and you're like, no, this is actually pretty badass. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? So like, let's do that live action today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I totally hear you. Anyway, um, what's your next one? Yeah. So, um, my next one, this one's going by your sort of template for how you put your list together. Drew, this next pick of mine is definitely the biggest cheat because this is a franchise that was going really strong before I think any toys were ever made of it. But, uh, my next pick is actually aliens or the alien franchise. And the reason why that is, is I remember kind of, I want to say in like the mid nineties, they started coming out with alien action figures at the store. And I just remember being a kid and seeing they had, they had all these cool aliens. Like they had a gorilla alien and the dog alien, of course. And like, you know, stuff like the dog alien is a direct reference to aliens three, but the gorilla alien i don't think is in any of the movies and they kind of just were going kind of just wherever they could go with like if a xenomorph took over you know a certain animal what would that xenomorph you know look like and uh what what were you gonna say well i think what happened was because you we had a couple of these toys but i think what happened was is that alien 3 came out and there's two yeah. versions of Alien 3 you can watch. You can watch the theatrical version where the xenomorph takes over a dog, gestates, and then it's very dog-like as opposed to the humanoid aliens we saw in the previous films. And then yeah. in the director's cut version of uh, Alien 3, it gestates inside of a cow. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. <so> it's a <laughs> compl- I haven't see. I haven't watched the director's cut. That's it's a completely awesome. different. It's a completely different animal, and um, you're just like, oh, that's interesting. So. You know, you're getting the toys and you got the bull alien and the gorilla alien and the, you know, like whatever, whatever it gestated in. Um, that's what you got. So it was like all these different various things. I thought the toys were awesome and I completely and that's kind of cool that you're you did this in a flip because you weren't old enough to watch the movies so much as. Yeah, it was one of those things like I definitely wasn't old enough to watch them. I think I was aware of the movies, but I just remember seeing commercials for these toys and uh, going to the toy store and seeing the toys in person and just thinking they were so cool. And it was one of those loop arounds where my parents wouldn't let me watch the aliens movies, but they would let me buy a toy for them. And uh, it was just a really cool way to get into that franchise. And then eventually I did see I saw aliens before for alien and uh, i saw that movie way before i probably should have but it it was just a great experience and uh yeah just a cool way to get into that franchise i would say so yeah um that's that's an interesting how that that's how you got into the franchise um no yeah and it, it absolutely was but yeah it's it's kind of the same with terminator as well like i got into the 
Terminator toys before ever seeing one of the movies, you know? <laughs> well, this is kind of cool that that's what you were, because the next one I was going to talk about was Batman 66. Um, oh, cool. There was not Batman 66 action figures per se, but there were the Super Friends action figures. And I just remember being into Batman, like as an action figure. Um, and I had a bunch of the Super Friends stuff, whether Batman, Robin, Aquaman. I know I had Wonder Woman. I know I had Superman, all that stuff. Um, I knew the toys long before I knew it was a show. Um, so it kind of was my bridge to the Adam West Batman series. Um, and I don't need to go too heavily on this um, because uh, we've talked I've talked so much about my love for Batman and the, the series itself. But this also predicates on the Marvel side, too, because they had the Super Friends series, which series of action figures, which was your DC side. But Marvel also did the Secret Wars series um, where it was like I had my, you know, Spider-Man and Captain America and Iron Man and all those characters that they were the same size. So in my world, they could play together and, you know, I would go watch Batman on TV, you know. Um, but it made me want the car and the Batcave and, you know, all that stuff. And that's when my Batman collecting actually kind of started. So <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's pretty cool. I, I never knew you'd pick Batman for like uh like the toys bringing you into it, but it's actually makes a lot of sense and uh, definitely a cool pick. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know too much else to say. about well, that. Like, thing, I, like, we, I don't, we talk ad nauseum about some of the comic book stuff, so I don't have a lot to say on it. It was just Batman was one of them. <laughs> like, you know, when I thought about it, I was like, well, I got into it because of the toys originally, you know, so. Mm -hmm. All right, man, what's your next one? Nice. Yeah, so my next one, I'm changing. I feel like we're going to match and I'm going to change my order a little bit because of that. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the next one I'm going to go with is actually Spawn. And I've told this story a lot on the podcast. But before I ever knew about the Spawn comics, I remember just because Image Comics in the early 90s was really just doing so well and blowing up, you know, we ended up getting things like the Wildcats animated series and Savage Dragon animated series. And Spawn had action figures that had commercials on TV, which is kind of crazy when you think about Spawn nowadays. And you'd never necessarily see that. But I remember watching, you know, like Saturday morning cartoons and seeing commercials for Spawn action figures. And I had I had no absolutely no idea what Spawn was, but I just knew these action figures looked so freaking cool. And it was one of those things like the next time my mom took me to Walmart, I had to hunt down the Spawn action figures and uh, I ended up buying the original Violator action figure. And I wish I still had it. I don't. Um, it got broken or lost. And the original Violator was kind of one of those uh, weird sort of like rubbery plastic action figures with like the wires inside. Yeah, so you they, could it had kind of bend it into any shape. It. it was it was a little bit. It was kind of like a bend them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But it was just a really cool looking monster character that I yep. thought was so great. And the other thing that was really cool about the original Spawn series is every action figure came with a comic book. And uh, I there's yeah, like yeah. a couple other. I remember Marvel did a series of action figures that would always come with the comic book. And I remember Star Wars. Star Wars was doing it for a bit, too. And I've always thought it was a cool concept because 
you know, when it comes to the logistics of a thing, it probably isn't going to cost that much to print a comic book and you're getting a cool character, but you're also getting a cool story and you're getting to learn about that character's backstory. And, uh, I didn't even know that the violator was going to come with a comic book, but that's technically the first spawn comic book I ever bought as well. And it was just kind of a cool little, like I was just completely introduced to this new comic book world. I didn't know anything about, you know, just because I saw that spawn commercial on TV and just thought it looked amazing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go. Yeah. Um, and I totally hear you there. Um, spawn those spawn figures, those McFarland toys are amazing. But it's weird because like they're also kind of care figures you almost don't want to play with. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? You're and just it's like when, cool I say, when I say that, they look too pretty to play with them. You're just like, no, just put it on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so. kind of cool too, because this was like the first McFarlane figures ever, and they weren't as detailed as you know a mcfarland figure is nowadays like they weren't as detailed they weren't as poseable but they still had that just really cool character design from those comics so yeah yeah um all right man my last pick and i have a feeling we matched on it Uh, (laughs) yeah and that would be he-man right absolutely we do match on this okay now he-man we've talked a lot about he-man recently because of the kevin smith show on netflix um, so I don't need to talk too much about my love for the show so much as um, this is a series that was famously the TV series was created to sell the toys. So some of us got into it because we saw the show first and some of us got into it because we got the toys first. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to the toys, I'll tell you, dude, I had I, I, I know I didn't have every character, but I feel like I had every character there were so many <laughs> toys i had a castle Skull. i had both battle cat i had the panther i can never remember the panther's name um i had like the uh mechanical horse that like robot horse you see in the very first episode of the kevin smith show um when you watch the kevin smith show every vehicle every castle every building all this stuff they were all toys you could get these massive massive play sets tons of characters i mean they like literally like took over the toy world um, and it was like watching the Kevin Smith show was nostalgia into my childhood of I had that, I had that, I had that, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, incredible. Um, and He-Man, because of my love for He-Man, it made me like I wanted the He-Man sword, but you couldn't get it anywhere. And my dad, our dad uh, made me a wooden He-Man sword once. Um, I don't know if that thing still exists. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I don't know if it still exists. It could be lost somewhere in the garage. Who knows? But. You know, like, (laughs) um, yeah. Anyway, do you have anything to add to that? So, yeah. So He-Man, this is another one that I remember watching the show as a kid. But um, this is another one that was a little bit before my time. And it was really the toys that uh, like drew like some of the toys you had and stuff is really what attracted me to the series. And it was one of those things like I knew my older brothers were really into He-Man. So. I was as well, and I knew that he was this awesome character, even though back in the day I didn't really know that much of, about He-Man. Like, I just really liked the toys. Um, and you actually mentioned Thundercats earlier, and I think He-Man and Thundercats cat toys were really fun to play with because they kind of looked like they came from the same universe, even though they didn't. Like, uh, we had a toy for one of the Thundercat villains who uh, I actually, unfortunately, don't know 
the name of, but I, I actually always thought it was a He-Man toy until like years later, <laughs> I learned it was a Thundercats character, but, um, no, He-Man was a thing that like in my childhood, like I was into a little bit because I thought the toys were so cool. And then, uh, for me, I actually want to say I got mostly into He-Man in 2003 when they rebooted the animated series. And, uh, this was a time like I was in high school and I was kind of getting back into superheroes and wanting to collect comic books and stuff. And, uh, they had a comic book line along with the 2003 reboot of He-Man. And I, I actually got really into it. Like I bought the first so many issues of that series. And uh, I just thought like it was kind of this world that was, you know, it's a cartoon that's a little bit before my time when you're looking at the original He-Man. But the 2003 cartoon I thought was really good. And it was kind of to me watching it at that age, I was just kind of like, well, this is just kind of a really badass series. And kind of like I was saying about biker mice from Mars, like He-Man is a cool amalgamation of a lot of awesome things because you have like, it's kind of like a space sci-fi version of Conan, but you have, you know, mythological fantasy elements in it as well. And it's just a really, really fun setting and really cool character designs. And, uh, you know, moving on, like I've really loved the, the Kevin Smith show. I haven't watched the second season yet, but I like the first season a lot. And, uh, I really loved the toys that made made us episode about He-Man. And, uh, I'm not going to say I'm a hardcore He-Man fan, but it is a series that I've really appreciated. And, uh, it's a series that really just keeps on giving in a lot of ways. So, uh, that's pretty awesome. So I don't know if I have too much else to say, but yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, that kind of brings us to the end of uh, this episode, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and uh, so you want to know what uh, we're going to do next week? Yeah, what's next week? <laughs> so I, I made a joke that next week's going to be an impossible task of a list. Um, and I've been thinking about this for a while. And I went back and I'm like, wow, we really never actually did this over the 180 episodes we've done so far. Um, right. Every now and then we talk about every now and then the word perfect comes out in conversation. Um, okay. I feel like it's out of my mouth more than your mouth, but every now and then the word perfect <laughs> comes up. Um, we're going to do we're going to talk a lot. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of movies next week that we've talked endless hours about. So our reviews can probably be short, but. I want to know what five movies you think are perfect wow okay so this is so next week is essentially my list of uh it's essentially a perfect film what five movies do you believe are perfect no mistakes um so i think it's going to be an interesting conversation to see what we end up choosing um but uh, it's it's hard to like say that. And we all I all know that this is like that beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So there's people that might disagree with me. But to me, these are the these movies are perfect. And that's how I want to go about that list. So. Wow. OK. Yeah. No, that's. um. <laughs> yeah. That, I feel like it's going to be really nuanced as far as um how we define perfect and stuff like that. Sure. But, yeah, it's a very interesting topic. And uh yeah, sure. make for an interesting discussion, to say the least. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, man. Well, in that case, um, let's throw this episode in the can. You go with that? Yeah, sounds good. 
All right, great. Well, in that case, uh, do us all a favor and uh, check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our show there, hit us on social media. Either way works. Um, We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. Um, And uh, you can leave us a review we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be reminding you that a true collector always buys three copies of their action figures. One to keep sealed, one to open up, and one to offer up to the new daimyo. all right um well in that case everybody for the top five report i'm drew i'm peter and uh thanks for listening everybody have a good night uh, oops no no yeah